All right, shall we pray? God, we thank you for the wonderful cross as we make our way to it this Lenten season and remember Christ's steps and moments to get there. Betrayal and fear, but also trust in God and love for humanity. Help us this Lenten season to admit our own betrayal and fear that are part of our lives and embrace the trust of God and love for humanity as we work to bring a glimpse of heaven to earth as you taught us to pray in your prayer, and the words will be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you for the birthday wishes. It's 49 for all those that didn't hear. I don't have any shame in sharing where I'm at in the journey. Um, so this morning, as a reminder, we're in the Lenten season for those visiting uh, with us or online later. And we're focusing on our small C confessions, looking to find those roadblocks of sin that keep us from Jesus. So confessing them will bring us to Jesus and see what he did for us as we approach Easter. So we're having some different voices read scripture. Stephen Z has uh, graciously agreed to read our scripture passage for this morning. So I'll kick it over him to get us started. Thank you, Darren. So let's read from John 13, verses 18 through 30. Jesus predicts his betrayal. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and asked, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. Thank you for sharing those words. People, God, these are the words of God. Thanks be to God. So again, thank you. If you've been here with us during Lent, we are hanging around in the upper room with the disciples this Lenten journey. As Tom mentioned a couple weeks ago as we started and kicked this off, 
the Catholic Church has given us some beautiful things to be thankful for, and one of them is confession. We have lost that art today in the Reformed Church of any denomination, and it's sad. We need to be thankful for confession and, have, and be moved into those places because it's a beautiful practice that helps us see our sin and move into places of conviction and contrition. We need to take our sin seriously and move our confession into conviction and move away, repent, actually literally turn away and walk away from that and surrender. See, too many today want things their way. They reinterpret the Bible to fit their lifestyle or choices, and we can't do that. Yes, we need to be loving, be a place of refuge. That is one of our core values here. Hear that. We need to build relationships first, but then bring in truth, and every one of us every day help each other find the freedom in Jesus, which comes from the truth. Not some deconstructed faith or political faith or whatever worldly area you're putting your hope in. If I can have uh, the slide that says, I want to please God. See, I think I was reading Galatians this week, one, uh, chapter 1, and verse 10, paraphrasing, says the first. It paraphrases and says, I want to please God. That's what we're here to do. But I'm afraid many of us put a comma in there. I want to. Please, God. I believe that is what Kathy was getting at last week as she pushed into the confession of our self-sufficiency. We can do things our way, on our own. Nope. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Read my license plate. It's what WTL stands for. It's a reminder of me every day. We need to let go of the illusion of being able to do it on our own. I love that from Kathy last week. We can't. Only Jesus saves. So as we dig into our text this morning, as we continue through Lent, I would challenge you to read Psalm 139 over and over, which paraphrased is, Lord, seek and know me, search and know my heart. Make us all see and be convinced that we need to confess be convicted of where we are far from you, God. If I can have the next slide. So again, we're going for those little C confessions throughout Lent, and you'll have another opportunity later this morning to do your one-word confessions. Mine the last two weeks and this week, tongue, temper, thoughts. I can be a real jack wagon. Some of you know that. When I'm tired or run down, especially the last few weeks, words can come out I don't mean to say. And I've learned as I watch basketball, I'm a really good coach in my head on the bleachers or sitting at home. I don't know if anybody else can attest to that during the basketball season. Yes, those are broad one-word topics each week, but their words said capture so much. Frustration shared, angry moments not nice thoughts about friends or family as we have battled through some hard decisions and situations these last weeks. See, I need Jesus. Do you? Awesome. I had the privilege of doing Shirley DeBrian, one of our senior saints funeral a week ago. And one of the things that I shared about that, shared there about our value statement uh, was progress over perfection. See, that is what Lent is about. 
progress over perfection. Many in the town that were at the funeral, and I'd say many in, in our town and those watching later, we've struggled. We've been hurt by the church. And I get this a lot. It's like, well, you guys are just hypocrites. You know what my answer to that is? Yep, we are. Because we're being transformed. We're broken people helping broken people. We're on a journey. And I said, if you want to have perfect, if you think perfect people ever come to our church, or if you think I'm perfect because I'm a pastor, you, you're in the wrong place. I'm going to hurt you with things I say, things I do, but I'm growing. I'm working on it. Doing things less, apologizing more, seeking forgiveness, trying to be more like Jesus, but stumbling all the way. Having these little C confessions will hopefully lead us to the ultimate big C on Easter of confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Nothing we can do will get us eternity. Only Jesus can do that. And it's a free gift he offers all of us here this morning. I hope you know that. And I'm so thankful for that. So now, this week's scripture. So this year I'm trying something different instead of sermon in a sentence, sermon, sermon in a question. So if I can have that slide. So if you heard my sermon a few weeks ago uh, on Image Bearer, I hope you're still waking up each morning, looking in the mirror and saying, what's in my reflection, Jesus or the world? I hope you do that the rest of your life. And now I have another question you can ask yourself while you're looking in the mirror. Where have I left a door open? You see, I think we are flirting with many things every day as we claim to walk with Jesus, much like Judas did in our scripture passage. Whether it's a Netflix, Amazon, Paramount, Disney, pick your service series. Did you know there's an animated series on Amazon right now, that's basically Genesis, the book of Genesis, which sounds good, but they've twisted it just a little bit and it makes the devil look like the good guy. Our kids are watching that. Or political party you hang your hat on, all of these things. There's spiritual battles going on all around us for your very eternal souls. And we need to pay attention as each of these things put us one degree off that eventually we're clear far away from God. What we are letting in gives Satan and evil spirits a foothold and we need to confess those things. This is crucial for us as we think about Lent and our small seas. We have to confess those things, to be convicted of those things. And again, I'm going to say this multiple times as we move through our journey together. As a pastor, I don't want you to feel shame. I never try to do that. But part of shame is being convicted, and I will try and do that. We all, including myself, need to be convicted. So we move into those places of confession, into contrition and repentance, and toward Jesus. And just so you know, I'm wrestling with all this too this morning. So let's go back to our scripture verses that Steve shared with us. Verse 18. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. So, show of hands, how many in this room today have been betrayed? All right, I'm seeing most hands. If you haven't raised your hand, you have something to confess later. So I think being betrayed is one of our, our biggest uh, human, you know, one of the human conditions, pieces of human condition. If you haven't been betrayed, congratulations, you will be. Um, so be prepared for that. 
Um, most of us have, and it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. Maybe someone shared something they promised to keep confidential that harmed you or another relationship. Maybe someone to pr pretended to be your friend in person, but then behind your back wasn't, and you found out about it. Maybe a spouse who didn't stay committed until death do us part and walked away. Maybe a parent who didn't protect you. I don't know all of your stories and what those might have been for you. There are many different ways to experience betrayal, and we feel foolish, I think, at times. That hmm. we trusted someone like that. Haven't we? But as we enter the upper room with Jesus after he had just humbled himself in servant leadership and washed the disciples' feet, even the one who would betray him, we start to see this amazing picture from Jesus as he enters his final days. They're at the Passover meal and he identifies the one who would betray him, Judas. We see here that Jesus knew the one who would betray him. What would you do if you, know, if you knew the one who would betray you? That person that came to mind when you rose your hand. Would you have him at the meal that signifies friendship? Inside your inner circle? Wash their feet? Have them sit in a place of prominence? I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't if I knew that was the person that was going to betray me. And then he ends that first verse there with a reference from Psalm 41.9 where we see David's betrayal that alludes to our Messiah's betrayal. Verse 19, I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Stop the tape. He's prophesying the future. This is going to happen. Pay attention. Do you recognize those words, I am, from the Old Testament? He's solidifying. He's doubling down on his identity as part of the Trinity. I know and have known what will happen to me. Jesus shows his omniscience. Reminds them subtly that I, he was there at the beginning. He created all things. I know who is in the book of life. I know what is coming for all of you. Verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. There's a lot here. There's a lot here to unpack. But these are things to be rooted in. In ancient culture, you were responded according to the one who sent you. Sometimes we see that today. I'm guessing if I came to your door and you didn't necessarily know me, and I said, hey, Pastor Kevin sent me, you might let me in. Somebody else, pick somebody, probably not if it's not somebody you knew. And I love this. If we know Jesus, we know God. And if people accept us, those Jesus who, sent, who has sent out to be disciples in the world, every one of us, every day, helping one another experience life-giving freedom in Jesus, they can know him too. We are his authorized representatives. We have delegated authority through Jesus. If we take this on and we live it out and we live into it each day, Others who accept us and our message of Jesus accept Jesus, which means they accept God. And isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, okay. Just, 
Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. Now, I want to make sure it's clear. It's all in God's hands. This isn't something we do. But it isn't amazing that we get to be a part of God's plan. We get to be a part of that journey for other people. And it's his command. We're to go and make disciples. Disciples of Jesus, not Christians. Through the Spirit's work in our life, we have that delegated authority to live into God's calling to step in and stand in spiritual authority against the evil we see in the world. So why aren't we? It's a question I've been asking myself. Why aren't we as strongly as we should? Let's move on. Verse 21, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very I truly, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So I struggled with this. Why do you think he tells him that? As I read and study, I wonder if it's so they know when it happens, their faith doesn't collapse. Think about it. Betrayal affects everyone involved, everyone that's a part of the conversation. And you guys know I'm a movie buff, and just think of how many movies have that close person that has a betrayal. And then there's hope lost for a period of time. Like in Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, when Lando turns on and the gang over to the Empire for a period Hope is lost and we're in trouble. But can I remind you, God is never in trouble. He knows all, no matter what is going on in history, who is leading our country, God is never in trouble. A sinful world leads us to places away from God. But he's got it. We know the end of the story. Jesus knew what was going on, what was going to happen, and when the disciples remember this supper, this saying... It will solidify their ministry and root them in the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you and what you're like, but are you convicted by this, trusting God in all things? Being okay with your betrayer, being at your table and in your, in your closest group? When I, th- when I hit tough times, I don't know about you, someone betrays me or is against me, I ask God, Why? I get upset. It's on. Time to fight. I am not much of a flight person. But Jesus, from the beginning, trusts God's perfect plan. So can I, can I share a little bit personally this morning? Some of you here know more about this than others, but it's been a rough start to 2024 for our family. I can't unpack it all, but I've had an aunt with cancer that's had multiple insides taken out in Iowa City. My grandpa, 99, fell about three weeks ago, almost died. Michelle's grandpa went into hospice in January, passed away last week. Many hard pastoral care conversations. Much travel around the state for multiple reasons with Ascending Network and other things. Churches in turmoil. And then to top it off, get the flu this week for the first time in 10 years. So I'm asking myself, can I rest in that I may not know the reason my grandpa laid on a cement floor for 15 hours and nearly died, or Michelle's grandpa prayed to God to take him home at 94 for six weeks because the bone cancer was so painful. Or that the weekend I have my niece and nephew last weekend that they come and have the flu and then we get the flu and we miss Michelle's grandpa's funeral. That God has a plan, is working through that. 
I wrestled with this. I lamented about it. It's okay to lament, to ask God why. He can handle those things. But we have to come back, come back, as we see throughout Psalms, like David did, come back to Jesus. Say, okay, I'm trusting you. But it's hard as we live life, isn't it? It's hard. And that's okay. So thank you for those of you that sent notes. And I know we're praying for me. Those meant a lot as I could read those. And they kept me centered on truths and God's truth going through those times. But it's struggle. I don't always live like I believe and trust in God in all things. How about you? I leave doors open, doors of doubt. I turn to earthly things to distract me. But that, again, leaves doors open for, devil, for the devil and evil spirits to come on the scene, breaking in. Much like we see here with Judas. Verses 22 through 25. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, was reclined next to him. Simon Peter mentioned to this disciple, or motioned to this disciple, sorry, and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? I think these are some of the most important verses for us this morning. See, the disciples, the disciples are confused. They don't know who it is. It shows their innocence in this situation. They had shut doors in their life that were letting the devil and fallen angels get a hold of them. Oh, they had their moments as we read scripture, like we all do. And I find it interesting that some thought it may be Peter. But then I realized, oh yeah, Jesus had called him Satan, stand behind me a few verses earlier. And that Peter wasn't sitting close because he had to motion to John who was sitting next to Jesus. And I got to thinking, how could any of them betray Jesus? They'd walked with him. They'd seen these miracles. They have so much more than I have seen. And then it got me thinking, do we ever truly know one another's hearts here this morning? How many pretenders are in each church each week playing the game well, but not true followers of Christ? Are we, am I just playing at faith or a genuine follower of Jesus? See, the stakes are high. That is why we need to examine our hearts and confess. Judas was the money guy for three years. People trust the money guy, right? It was a shock in the light of everything he had witnessed and experienced as we read the story. But Judas had left many doors open when Satan was knocking despite being in the presence of Jesus. Don't you want more, Judas? Wouldn't the true Messiah take, take out the Romans who are oppressing us? Jesus isn't really God. He had parents. Shouldn't you keep some money for yourself? I mean, Mary dumped that whole expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet. Think about all those things. The doors left open, greed, unmet expectations, self-control, power-hungry, seeds of doubt that make room for the devil and his evil spirits to attach and weave his way into Judas's life. And I would argue ours. So I'll ask again, where have you left a door open? I 
I mean, we can't believe the whole Bible, but there's some good stories. Would a God have X as president? With all that's going on in the world, is he really in control? You should post something. People want to read it. Why don't you spend more time on your phone and Netflix? The Bible's not going anywhere. And I could go on. See, we quickly open the door to not believing the Bible is inerrant, to not believing Jesus' kingdom is the only one that matters, and the false narratives of this world in nearly all the shows today making certain lifestyles and choices be normal when they're not. That is why we have to examine our hearts. The stakes are too high. They're too high. They are eternal choices we are all making and allowing Satan to get a grip on us. We must confess our sins. Seek to close those doors we have opened that are letting evil in and move toward Jesus. Yes, these are small C's. With big C, our confession of Jesus as Lord. But I could make an argument those little C's are big C's too. Because if we don't get after those and confess those, we'll never get to Jesus. Twenty-six through thirty. Jesus answered, "It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish." Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, "What you are about to do, do quickly." But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him, since Judas had. Had charge of the money. Some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus, as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Now, if I could have that slide with them around the table, please, Joey. Thank you. See, I think most of us have a, a great picture, great painting by Da Vinci, but it's a flat table, theologically wrong. Uh, this is more of how it would have looked. Uh, with Judas on his left, and you can see him leaving the building in the back of that picture. But if you can imagine, if he was still sitting there, he was next to Jesus. He was in the place of privilege. He was breathing the air that Jesus breathed. He was enjoying laughter. He had friends Jesus provided. Now he gets the first piece of bread. Judas had continually opened doors and chosen the lies that put him in rebellion to God. He'd gotten, like all of us, gifts from Jesus, but thinking very little of them. How many of you looked at the sunrise this morning? It's a gift from God. So guess what? Satan entered him. And the others, I, I, I'm surprised still by this, even hear all this, they heard those words, but they thought, oh, Judas must just be going to buy some stuff. Well, if they'd have thought about it, with the day of the week it was, and the time of day it was, there's no, there's no shops open. There's nowhere for him to go buy anything. How are we any different? With the very breath God has given us, we reject Jesus. Leaders use the power given them by God to kill Jesus every day. Judas didn't get to this place overnight. It's a slow fade. If you haven't heard that song from Casting Crowns, I would encourage you to listen to it when black and white turn to gray. 
How many of us today are in a slow fade? I'll raise my hand. Guilty. I can justify about anything. Many of you have heard just a simple one. As you know, I'm a chocolate fan, and that's where I give my fruits and vegetables. But logically, it's true, right? Sugarcane is a vegetable. The cocoa bean is considered a fruit. Arrest my case. So, <laughs> we, you see, we dwell on what we don't have. We complain about it, but we have so much we don't deserve. So with all that, so what? This is great, but what does it mean for the week? Glad you asked. It's a great question. So God knows us. People, we may be be, uh, fooled about what's going on inside of you, but God isn't. He knows. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking about. He knows our failures, our struggles, our weaknesses. So no matter what the world is telling you, I want you to hear this this morning. You matter to God. You matter to God. So come and follow Jesus. You may think you've messed up so bad there is no room for you in God's kingdom. That is so not true. We want to be a place of refuge, a place of progress over perfection. Jesus offers forgiveness to each one of us, no matter our past or current realities. No matter what you're struggling with, if you have breath in your lungs, it is never too late to accept Jesus. But, and it's a big but, our challenge is to turn away from sin, shut the doors that are open where Satan has a foothold, whether that's anger, whether that's greed, whether that's sexual identity, porn, unbelief. We must confess and repent, turning away from those things and toward Jesus. We don't have to be perfect but we must follow him and his words, not our own desires. And lastly, we have to bring our little C's. We have to examine our hearts each day. See, Judas was part of the inner circle. He was trusted, but he never trusted Jesus. Do you? He didn't submit his life fully to Jesus. And let me be clear, you can come to church, be involved, be on boards, be a, a great volunteer, and not be a follower of Jesus. Words of Scripture, you said, Lord, Lord, but I don't know you. Those are the scariest words in Scriptures for me. You can do the right things outwardly, but inwardly be far from the Lord, resting on a dark Netflix series to fill your spiritual needs versus the Word of God. So Jesus loves you. He wants you despite of your failures, our failures, my failures. Will you choose some doors today, this month, this year to close, even though it'll cost you something? The worship team can start coming back up. So we're going to move into uh, a song, confession, as we've been doing. We'll have the, the words on the, on the screen again. But if you could, if you feel compelled as we have Communion. If you have a one-word confession, could you bring that this morning? Again, not to shame you, but I hope you have that you're convicted of some things. God wants us all, me included, to be convicted of our sin against him. Our betrayal, much like Judas, he paid for Judas and us, our sins on that cross.
But we can be free of our shame when we confess those things to him, when we repent and turn the opposite direction. And if you need to unpack something more that's one word, we'll have prayer team members as well available for you here this morning.